Friends, good morning and welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Boone's uh, live service this morning. Uh, for those of you who um, were participating in our service at 11 o'clock today, I apologize. We were all set up in our sanctuary ready to do a live stream and as things would happen, we lost our internet connection and we had to kind of scramble to uh, to make things happen. So I do apologize for those of you who are delayed uh, this morning, but the good news is that God has provided an opportunity for us to be together and to once again to worship in spirit and truth. And so we're delighted that you're joining with us this morning um, as we worship God together. Whether you're a member of our congregation or whether you're a member of our community or you're um, tuning in from near or far, we welcome you. And more than anything, hope that you experience um, God's word today in a fresh way that would help provide nourishment uh, to your souls. Friends, as we uh, begin today, I remind you that together uh, as a congregation, we have been uh, doing a sermon series on um, Jesus's last words from the cross during uh, this season of Lent. And so today on the, this fifth Sunday of Lent, we come to the fifth word of Jesus from the cross. But before we jump into uh, our scripture readings and to our message this day, let us take a moment to bow before the Lord in prayer. Friends, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for all your blessings and for your love and for your grace that holds us fast. I thank you that we can join together, Lord, virtually in ways in which we are still connected as your church family. And I pray, O oh God, that you would bless each and every one who's gathered here this day to hear a word from you. For we long for that together. And we pray that we would that you would bless the reading of your word, Lord and that you would open it afresh to us this day, that together we might grow in our faith, that we might draw nearer to you, more than anything, that our thirst for you might be quenched. But we ask all of these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and let all of God's people joyfully say, Amen. Friends, our first reading this morning comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55. Uh, verses 1 through 3. If you've got your Bible with you, I invite you to open it up to Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3. Hear now from God's Word. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread? and your labor on what does not satisfy. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. And our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of John. John chapter 19, verses 28 through 30. Hearing now from God's word. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, 
it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in May of 2010, I traveled to the Holy Land with some of my seminary classmates for a 15-day experience in Israel and in Egypt. And when we arrived, we started in Galilee and then traveled south to Jericho to see the ruins of the Battle of Jericho. Now, in case you didn't know, Jericho is in the Jordan Valley, which sits 846 feet below sea level, making it the lowest city on earth. And the Dead Sea is just beyond this city, and overlooking the Dead Sea is this huge rock fortress called Masada. Now, this massive plateau stands high above the Dead Sea, and yet when you're standing on top of it, you're reminded that it's only 190 feet above sea level. It's hard to imagine this when you're standing on top of a mountain looking down. But because Jericho is the lowest point on earth, it is also extremely hot. And on that particular day that we were there, the temperature rose to 117 degrees. Now, our professors had warned us in advance to stay hydrated so that we wouldn't get heat stroke. And they encouraged us to drink water at all times because if we waited until we were thirsty, it would be way too late. Now, I have to admit I'm not one to drink a lot of water anyway, but I wasn't going to let my trip be ruined by something that simple. And so on our last day in Jericho, we toured Masada, and afterwards we planned to swim in the Dead Sea, but that didn't happen as planned. One of our group members got dehydrated and overheated, and so the group made an executive decision to skip the Dead Sea altogether and to head on to Jerusalem so that she could recover at the hostel where we were going to stay. And thankfully, she did, without having to receive IV fluids, But it certainly scared her, and it scared the members of our group. And from that time on in our trip, everyone focused on drinking lots of water, even before we were thirsty. You see, 60% of our body is made up of water, and that water delivers important nutrients to our cells, which keeps us from experiencing muscle fatigue. Water flushes out the toxins in our body and aids our digestive system. And water also naturally hydrates our skin, so there's no need for expensive creams to prevent wrinkles. As you can see, water is essential to life and to good physical health. And we've all experienced moments when we're parched, desiring water to quench our deepest thirst. And so today, as we continue our sermon series on Jesus' last words from the cross, we come to this fifth word in John's Gospel where Jesus cries out, I am thirsty. John tells us that later, knowing that everything now had been finished, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Now, John is the only gospel that records this word from Jesus on the cross, and he writes in a way that seeks to connect the ducks the dots of scriptures, as if to say that Jesus speaks this in order to fulfill them. Now, I find this to be interesting because so much of Jesus' life and ministry is a fulfillment of the scriptures. The prophet Micah predicts the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem, 
And the prophet Isaiah declares that he will come from the lineage of David. This child will be the prince of peace, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him as he rules in righteousness. He will shine a light into the land of deep darkness for both Jew and Gentile. And Isaiah also proclaims that he will be a suffering servant, led like a sheep to the slaughter, pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Jesus has come to fulfill the scriptures, and now John says that even his thirsting is intended to do so. And there are many who seem to believe that Psalm 69 verse 21 is the scripture that he fulfills, and it tells us, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. This is in reference to the jar of wine vinegar given to Jesus from a sponge on the hyssop plant. This psalm suggests that those who offered the wine to Jesus are trying to poison him. And I find this suggestion to be more consistent with Luke's gospel that says this, The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. You see, John portrays this as a moment of mercy, not of mockery. Jesus is thirsty, and what's offered to him is not poisoned wine, but pasca, a diluted wine that was a drink of choice for the Roman soldiers and peasants. The soldiers were already drinking it while they were crucifying him, thus it was not poison. Speaking of wine, in John's Gospel, Jesus' first miracle is turning water into wine at a wedding party at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother noticed that they've run out of wine, which would, would have embarrassed the groom's family, and so she basically tells Jesus to do something about it. And Jesus responds to her saying, Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. In this moment, Jesus connects his miracle of providing the choicest of wine for this wedding party with the cup of diluted wine he will receive at the cross. So what I'm suggesting is simply this. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus didn't utter these words simply to fulfill the scripture. He uttered them because he was wasting away in the Middle Eastern sun. His crucifixion started at 9 a.m. in the morning, and his death occurred somewhere close to 3 p.m. in the afternoon. And as one who's experienced the extreme heat of Israel... Jesus was baking in the sun and was very dehydrated. Did he fulfill the scriptures? Yes. But was that his intention as John seems to note? No. Think about it for a moment. The Roman soldiers also fulfilled the scriptures by casting lots for his garments, but they didn't know that they were doing it. You see, the Spirit of God has allowed John to see how his cry from the cross connects with scripture which is why John prefaces the passage in this way. But it seems to me that in this moment, Jesus fulfills not Psalm 69, 21, Psalm 22, verse 15, says this, My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Jesus The Son of God, both human and divine, cries out that he's thirsty because he was dying an excruciating death, wasting away in the heat of the day. The one who offered living water to the Samaritan woman at the well, and the one who proclaimed to everyone, 
Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Now thirsts. And I think that we must be careful not to over-spiritualize this moment. This isn't a spiritual thirst. From the cross of Christ, we see clearly the humanity that connects him with all of us. God in the flesh thirsts just as we do. However, if we're honest with ourselves, our thirsts are more often for the things of this world. You see, we've never experienced anything like this pandemic before. And until the world changed with COVID-19, we were thirsting for the normal things of life. Much of our lives are spent thirsting for success or acquiring things and enjoying the good life. To some degree, we have been tempted by the idols of the world. And we don't bow down and worship handcrafted gods, but we do give in to the temptations of security in our retirement savings plans, of seeking higher salaries to support our lifestyles, of self-pleasure in the forms of elaborate trips, or allowing the world of sports to dominate our schedules and our time. Materialism runs rampant in our culture, and we never seem to be able to satisfy these thirsts, no matter how much we truly While technology can be good and useful, especially in a time like this, most often it's used to promote self. We live in the age of the selfie, where attention from others is sought after, where likes on our social media platforms gives us value and self-worth. Our existence and meaning can easily be wrapped up in what we do rather than in who we worship. And truth be told, so often we've thirsted for the wrong things. You know, many people and many Christians wonder why a loving God could allow this virus to disrupt the lives of so many around the world. So let me share a little honesty with you. Even pastors entertain such questions. I don't have an easy answer to this question, but what I do know is that our thirsts are increasingly changing day by day. I have to tell you that this past week has been a hard one for me. A pastor's job is to provide spiritual guidance and care for their flock. And many times this includes providing for physical needs too. In almost six years as pastor of this congregation, I've never had to take physical provision away from anyone. Our first morning out preschool has not been able to function for three weeks due to the mandates of our governor that seeks to protect the spread of this virus. Because the school operates on the tuition paid by families, we can no longer keep the program open for the duration of the school year. And so the session of our church had to make a hard decision to suspend this ministry for the time being. Doing so meant that I had to inform our teachers that they no longer had a source of income. I could only hope that they would be eligible for unemployment benefits to help them and their families during this time. I have to tell you, it's a helpless feeling sharing this news. And I am sure that some of you have had to do the same things to your own employees, or maybe you've been on the receiving end of such measures. You see, our thirst is no longer about the good things of life, but merely surviving having our daily bread, having our provisions met. 
Many of us find ourselves in this situation today. As measures are taken to protect the health and well-being of all, it also has tremendous economic impacts that affect real people. And yet there are so many who have fallen victim to the virus itself, who thirst for physical healing and provision of their basic needs. Families who have lost loved ones thirst for comfort and grace and for healing of their broken hearts. Healthcare workers thirst for a break and for protection from becoming ill as they provide care to those who are sick while quarantining themselves from their own families out of fear of infecting them. Families who are struggling thirst for the simple provision of food and for money to cover their electric bills, their rent, or their mortgages. We now thirst for things that we never imagined. The season of Lent is a time of self-reflection, and we've been forced to reflect more on what truly matters in life. A pandemic can certainly change our perspectives, and it can draw us closer to one another, and especially to the one that we were created to thirst for. In his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, I'm in no way saying that God has brought this upon us as a punishment for our sin. Rather, I believe that God loves us despite our sin more than anything, which is living proof of Jesus' death on the cross for us. You see, I believe in a God who can redeem the worst of situations, a God who brings life out of death and who brings healing even to our brokenness. And while the darkness of Good Friday looms over us, the light of Easter is coming. And in this time of uncertainty, there is one thing that we can be certain of, that God is still with us, that Jesus' cry of thirsting reminds us that we serve a God who understands our own thirsts and who longs to quench them. And just as those around Jesus mercifully gave him something to aid his suffering, the God of all mercy and compassion promises to do the same for us. The prophet Isaiah spoke God's promises to a people who were in exile, a people who felt abandoned and alone aliens in a foreign land, those who thought God refused to hear or even answer their cries for help. Isaiah's words remind them, and even us today, that in the midst of our trials and tribulations, that God still longs to quench our thirst. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant, a promise with you, my faithful love promised to David. Water is essential to life, and living water is essential to our souls. And to all who thirst, 
to those of us who feel parched and dehydrated, those who long to be satisfied, God reminds us that he is here and he longs to quench our thirsty soul. And now is a time more than ever for us to get our priorities straight, to stop thirsting for things that don't satisfy us, and instead together seeking the living water, one who promises to fill us daily. Friends, that is my prayer for each and every one of us as we go through this unprecedented time together, to know that we serve a God who loves us, who cares for us, who has reached out to us in Jesus the Christ, who even from his cries from the cross connects his humanity with our own and reminds us that he understands our greatest needs and that he longs to fulfill them. Friends, together may we seek him, the living water, and find our thirst quenched. May it be so this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Until we meet again. Amen.